0: going to talk for a short while this afternoon um, about something I think that stays in a lot of our minds. You know, as we watch things unfold in our society and as we watch the news or whatever the case is, we see a lot of things that concern us. Especially of late, we start to see things that seem very backwards. We see that we're told these different things and they're just the opposite of what we've always known to be true. And we're starting to see a pattern of that, that if we have some sort of moral standard or something like that, that it explained that we are totally backwards. What you believe is not true. This other form of that is what's true. And we see it over and over. And to be specific, some of the things that we're talking about, some current events are th- things such as abortion, the gender debate. Theft, all of these things that we have known to be wrong and to be morally wrong, we've seen where some form in society has come along and said, no, you're mistaken. You've always been mistaken, and you've been on the wrong side of this issue. When you think of abortion, we've always known that to be wrong. What is it now? That's health care. You're completely wrong. That's health care, and people are entitled to health care. You see, that's exactly opposite of what we've always known to be true. When it comes to the gender debate, we're on the wrong side of that. You're just isolating people, and you're putting other people down, and you've been wrong all along on this issue. What about theft? We've seen smash and grabs in the news, and and this one's really interesting. People watch these things on video cameras and say, "Oh, that's not even happening." Or those things are insured and these people probably needed those things more than those owners. You see, we see it over and over where people have taken the opposite side of these things. And they said, no, your standard is wrong. It's always been wrong. And that's what's wrong with everything that's going on today. Because people like you have been backward and have been wrong. Now, where do we get our moral standard? We get our moral standard from the same place it's always come from, from God's Word. So when we look at God's Word, what is, what is the stance taking on, taking on this idea? That we can look at something that's morally wrong and somebody else can tell us, no, the standard is wrong. The standard's always been wrong, and we're going to right that wrong. What does the Bible say on these things? I don't think you'll find it's not silent. The Bible is pretty explicit on these things. Where standards should come from, where moral standards specifically should come from, and where we would find them. In Isaiah 5 and verse 20 it says, Woe unto them that call evil good and good evil, that put darkness for light and light for darkness, that put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. That is exactly what we're talking about this morning. When we look at something that we know to be morally wrong, that has always been morally wrong, and call it good. And we look at something that's always been good and call it wrong. You see, it doesn't matter which of those we're talking about. God's word is explicit about these things. He has standards that we're to live up to. And when we hear people standing on the other side saying, you're the one that's wrong, you're backward in your thinking. And you always have been. We want to look to God's word and know that the things that we have believed hold true and they've always been true. Too many things we look at today that we've objected to and called them wrong based on the standards that God has given us. It's frustrating, isn't it, to look at those things. And we may even find doubt in our faith because of these ideas that we've always been standing on the wrong side of these arguments. And I'm not talking about just winning arguments this morning. That's not what we're talking about. It's talking about how we choose to live our lives in our service to God. You know, it's, it's surprising that people generally know right from wrong. And they've just chosen the wrong side of things. But now we've seen a push or an effort to change what the moral standard is. And many times it's the exact opposite of what we've always known to, been, to be true. You know, and this attitude contributes to the decay in moral standards. And it's very frustrating for us. It's discouraging to us to see these things in our society and what's very frustrating is the excuse that's given many times is that's just society as if because society believes these things that we're just supposed to fall in line with them that's never been true we've always known that's not been true and over the decades and over the years it hasn't changed God's word has always been the standard that we should use so as we consider this idea further we see that it will not hold true if we look at what it really would mean to pursue these things. God's standard will always stand. Now we have two lengthy lists that we've covered time and time again. We'll go through those very quickly. In Romans 1 and 29, it says, Being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud, boasters." Inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, without understanding, covenant breakers, without natural affection, implacable, unmerciful, who knowing the judgment of God, and they which commit such things, are worthy of death, not only do, not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. It's very specific about these things and how these things are wrong and they're not in accordance with God's will. The other passage we see is Galatians 5 and 19 through 21. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these? Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like, of the which I tell you before, as, as I have also told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. So we look at these two lists, and what we see in these two lists are a couple things. There are things that are widely recognized as being immoral or things that shouldn't be occurring in our society, and we see a few other things that maybe we think are so bad. But we see both. Both are present in our society. What's interesting when we consider that society is just society and we shouldn't object to it As we read these lists, we see some things that are widely objected to and some that are openly practiced. A lot of these things that we see in our society, but some are openly practiced and some are maybe hidden or less frequent. You know, everything in these lists are practiced in some way. You know, we have people killing, don't we? We've seen killing in the news recently. We know that's around us. If you look in Chicago on any given weekend, you're going to see a lot of murders. You know, we've seen on the news where uh, boyfriends killing girlfriends, athletes killing girlfriends, all of these different things we see. They go on these uh, hunts looking for these people. They find human remains, and lo and behold, it turns out to be this individual they've been looking for, and now the manhunt pursues. They're looking for that individual who murdered that person. It's not unusual for us to see that in our society. Is that something that we want to normalize and say that that's okay? Of course not, that's murder. That's, the, that's one of the worst things that could possibly happen. We look at these things, and we don't want to have those things openly done in our society. Do we have people stealing, like we talked about before? We it, we're seeing a lot of that on the news now. People taking things, they go in stores, they take things they less lessened penalties for people who steal from stores, and we're seeing a rise in that crime. What about white-collar crime? A lot more of that. There's one in the news lately. A company called Theranos. A young girl, about 19 years old. This was back uh, probably six years ago. Came up with a company called Theranos. What Theranos did was they did blood tests, and this this girl claimed that they could do 400 tests from one drop of blood. There was only one problem. People that knew these things said, You can't do that. It's not possible. The sample's not big enough. And not only did she say that, she said, We're going to build this in a box about this big. Well, then the engineers got involved and they said, You can't do that. To do what you're asking to do, we need something about the size of a room. She raised a billion dollars off of investors to do that. A billion dollars that's a lot of people or something that everyone knew wasn't wasn't uh, that couldn't be done she defrauded that many people for that much money these things are normal we see them but should they be occurring should we not object to them just because they do occur in society yes we should object to them yes we should have an expectations that these things don't occur in our society that does, just because they happen doesn't mean they're normal and we should accept them we see other things spousal abuse torture child abuse all of these things are a part of our society we see them over and over and over but just because we see them doesn't mean we should accept them it doesn't mean it should be acceptable behavior in our societies. Will anyone make the claim that that's just society? And it's okay to participate in those things. Those things are okay because they're, they occur all of the time. It's okay for me to do those things. Saw somebody killed on the news just this afternoon. Is it okay for me to go and kill somebody? No. That doesn't change God's standards for us just because these things occur over and over. Or further... That it's a part of society, and we should have no expectation of these things to stop. These things should stop, and we know that. We have laws in place and these types of things, and the problem has occurred that people are calling evil good and good evil, and we shouldn't get drawn into that. You know, when you look at the idea that society's just society and, and that people. Uh, that want something different, just aren't living in reality. You know, we see how ridiculous that is. Just because it recurs over and over and over doesn't mean we shouldn't have an expectation that those things do not occur. But unfortunately, more times than not, when you hear that statement, it's usually because someone is trying to justify something in the practice in their lives or a group that wants those practices to occur. Whatever the case is, Using the fact that things do occur doesn't mean that makes them okay. And don't be fooled. God has expectations. And he doesn't buy into the idea that just because it occurs in society makes it okay for us to do those things. He set his standard. And that's where we should be is with God and what he would have us to do in our service to him. In 2 Peter 2, verses 4 through 9, it says, For if God spared not the angels that sinned, but cast them down to hell and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved unto judgment and spared not the, world, the old world, but saved Noah the, eight, the eighth person, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood upon the world of the ungodly and turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemned them with an overthrow, making them an example unto those who that after should live ungodly and deliver just lot, vexed with the filthy conversation of the wicked. For that righteous man dwelling among them and seeing and hearing vexed his righteous soul from day to day with their unlawful deeds, the Lord knoweth how to deliver the ungodly out of temptations and to reserve the unjust unto the day of judgment to be punished. We have here examples of societies that were just living as societies, weren't they? These different cities, these different places, these different people, they were just living according to the societies around them, weren't they? Did they change what God expected of them? Did God change how he viewed these things? Not at all. God gave them all a reality check. He cast some into hell and darkness. He choked some out through drowning and the flood and turned entire cities into ashes because they were being society, right? What do we know about societies? If you go all the way back to the children of Israel, societies are just different ways of moving further and further from God, as it appears. We see it over and over. God was constantly having to reel the children of Israel back in, because they were living as societies. You know, as we... we, Stated earlier, socially the statement doesn't make sense. And now more importantly, we know God doesn't accept the idea either. That just because something occurs in society doesn't make it right. Being Christians, we know God has expectations of us. And that's why we choose to live the way that we do, because we choose to serve Him. In 2 Peter 2 and verse 19, it says, While they promised them liberty, they themselves are the servants of corruption, for of whom a man is overcome, for the same is brought into bondage. You know, we, we talk, there's a reason we turn to God. There's a reason Christ's blood cleansed us from the sins that we had. Because we were under that bondage. And now this idea that we can totally undo the moral living that God would have us to, that just puts us right back into that bondage that we sought to be released from. Don't fall into those things. Don't listen to these things. God has expectations from us. He spelled those out for us. We know what they are. We need to stand on them and live by them. In 1 John 2, verses 15 through 17, it says, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. That sounds like society, doesn't it? The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, all of those things are present in our society. Are we to give in to those things just because we see it predominantly happening or occurring? Absolutely not. That's not what he would have from us. You follow society and the love of the Father is not in you, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. That's what we should be seeking to do. To follow the will of God so that he abides in us forever. Are we yet convinced that allowing society to dictate our morals isn't in our best interest? It's totally not in our best interest. John 12, verses 42 and 43 says, Nevertheless, among the chief rulers also many believed on him, but because of the Pharisees, they did not confess him, lest they should be put out of the synagogue, for they loved the praise of men more than the praise of God. What an awful situation, right? An awful situation. These people, they allowed society to keep them from God. They loved the praise of men more than the praise of God. They knew the truth. But they were afraid what would happen to them in society, weren't they? They were afraid they would get cast out of the synagogue because of that. That didn't change what God expected of them. And it won't change what God expects from us. In Romans 12 and 1, it says, I beseech beseech you, brethren, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world... But be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Where's the sacrifice if society dictates what we do? We're just giving in, aren't we? If we do that, we follow the crowd, we go with the majority. There's no sacrifice in that. The whole idea of living, a living sacrifice is giving up the things of this world in exchange for our service to God. That's the living sacrifice that it talks about. You know, it's hard to understand people that say, well, it's not about works in this life. It's not at all about works. You know, there's a certain amount of works that we should have present in our life because we want those things there. They may also say, well, our day-to-day actions don't matter to God this says we have to be a living sacrifice, and we have to proactively live a life in our service to God. You know, I don't see love and respect for God as a sacrifice. You know, that's the other side of that coin. It's only about our love for God. Well, there's no sacrifice in that. That's just an action. And it's an action that we should have present in our lives, but not at the cost of the other. You should be able to see things in our lives that reflect our service to God. In 1 John 1, verses 5 through 7, This meant, this. then is the marriage is the message Excuse me, which we have heard of him and declare unto you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say then we have fellowship to him, we'll walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Christ, his son, cleanses us. From all sin. Our sacrifice is to put away the present world and walk with God. That's what our present sacrifice is. If we want fellowship with Him, we know where to find Him, don't we? He's in the light. And if we choose to live our lives in the darkness, then we shouldn't be surprised when we look up and God's not there. He can't live in the darkness, He lives in the light. And we need to understand. If we are in the light, we have fellowship with Him. But just the opposite is true. If we live in darkness, we won't have that fellowship. James 1 in verse 27 says, Pure religion and undefiled before God the Father is this, to, keep, to visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction and to keep himself unspotted from the world. How do you keep yourself unspotted from the world if you go along with everything they say? If we conform to this world and we allow this world to dictate what our morals are, how is it that we're keeping ourselves unspotted from it? We can't allow them to dictate those things. We can't allow that to happen. You know, if society is just society and we should go along with it, then how can we be spotted by the world if we're just doing what society says we should do? The whole idea is just ridiculous when you get right down to it. Just because things occur in society, just because society goes with the majority, doesn't change what's expected in our lives. In 2 Peter 3, verses 13 and 14, it says, Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth, wherein dwelleth righteousness. Wherefore, beloved, seeing that ye look for such things, be diligent that ye may be found of him in peace, without spot and blameless. This tells us where our focus should be, and that we should be found of God. Not of society, not of the majority, and not of anything other than God. That's where it should come from. That's where our morals should be seated in. In Titus 2, verses 12 through 15, we read, Teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in the, this present world, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God. God and our Savior Jesus Christ who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people zealous of good works these things speak and exhort and rebuke with all authority let no man despise thee some very important teachings that go along with this topic this specifically tells us that we should resist society when it tells us to go against God and make no mistake when we see these things And you get that feeling in your stomach that this is just not right. That's your conscience. That is your conscience telling you this is not right. And we shouldn't stand against God just because someone in society tells us. We've been on the wrong side of this argument our entire lives. Your gut will tell you that. And it's your conscience telling you that. Further, it tells us we'll become a peculiar people in order to do this and to let no man tell us otherwise. God expects us to be a peculiar people. He doesn't want to look on his children or his people and not be able to pick them out of a crowd. When he looks at a group of people, he wants to be able to pick his people out of those people because we're peculiar, we're different. We don't follow the majority. We stand on his word and not society. Those are the things that he wants to see. Verse 12 says, in this present life, that means doing God's will was meant to be done now and not in some, uh, and not that it's something that should occur in the life to come. These are the things that we should do now to live for God. And don't promote anything that God has spoken against. You know, too many times we've seen that, where God has taught against something. If we promote those things, we're guilty of them. We are guilty of them. And we shouldn't let society force us or influence us to promote things that God would have us not to do. In John 17, verses 14 and 15, it says, I have given them thy word, and the world hath hated them, because they are not of this world, even as I am not of the world. I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but thou shouldest keep them from the evil. This is Jesus speaking here. He gave them God's word and they hated him for it. They hated him for it. When we look at this and we see that, you know, why did did Jesus not pray that we be taken from this world? Because that was not God's plan. That's not what God's will was. And Jesus knew that. Jesus repeatedly said while he was here, He is here because of the will of the Father. So he didn't try to convince God to remove us from the world. He said, Keep them of the world, but keep them from the evil. And we should look at that and we should take comfort in that. And that's something we should draw strength from. That Jesus knew. He knew the world was evil, he knew society was evil. And we would look at it and we see it over and over and over in these societies of the different things that were evil in them. Ours is no different. Ours is not worse. Ours is not better. It's just society. And society has different morals and different standards than what we should have as part of God's people. When we know we can't isolate ourselves from society. And that's what it's talking about here. And neither should are we expected to. But we're expected to live our lives as God would have us to. And society is definitely not the place we should turn for an example. Don't look to society for the example. Don't look at society for what Godship would have for you in your life. That standard's reserved for God, and He's to set that standard. So, again, when you see something and you hear these things and they just they do not sound right compared to what you've always read in God's Word, understand. That's your conscience talking. And you're right. It's, it's not right. These things are frustrating to us. We see them recurring over and over. And we wish it wasn't that way. But as he said here, he is not of this world. And there's going to come a time when we're removed from this world. When, that's, when, that time, when God decides what that time is. But up until that point, we're left here. We're left to deal with these things, and He's given us ways to deal with these things. He's given us tools to deal with these things, and we need to understand that, and we need to live up to the standard that He's given us. These are. Thank you for listening to today's sermon podcast. If you'd like to know more about this subject or any other Bible topic, send us a message at our Facebook page, The Church of Christ, Wheeler Area.